This is Baby Hour, radio for parenting. Hello, and a very warm welcome to another Baby Hour. I'm your host, Carolyn M. And today, my expert guest is Elizabeth Harrod. She's the owner of Purpose Parenting. Hi, Elizabeth, and a very, very warm welcome to Baby Hour. Oh, thank you so much, Carolyn. I really appreciate inviting me to Baby Hour. I'm so excited to talk about baby autonomy and all its different aspects and what that means. And I'm just ready to dive in. Well, okay, so we're going to dive in. Obviously, uh, it's not what is the purpose of parenting. That's not that's not uh, that's not what you not what you're about. So, could you describe to us? Could you tell us? What exactly is the service that you do provide? You're talking about autonomy. Are you a parent counsellor or do you tell us about yourself? I would love to do that. So I'm a 40 year veteran teacher. I started teaching parents uh, when I was 11 years old. I took a babysitter safety course and I started babysitting. And if you babysit people's kids, they come home from dinner and they say, how are my kids? And you share with the parents how the kids did when you babysit. So, and then I was a public school teacher here in America. And so parents would come in for teacher uh, parent workshops, you know, day, and we would talk about how is your child doing? And then I worked in museums and I have two children of my own who are grown sons and gone and flew the coop and they have jobs and lives of their own. And so I've been through all the stages of parenting, all the challenges, not just with my own children, but with other people's children, and especially always talking to their parents about how is parenting going. So you, like you say, you've got a history, uh, a nice history, good history with parents, with children of most ages. And and from there, you thought to yourself or somebody, some what triggered this actual what what can I do for parents or how do you know what triggered that? Yeah, well, when my own children, sons were growing up and leaving the house, I thought I have all this experience. I want to be there for parents. You know, I had guides and mentors when I was a young parent and I needed them. And I want to be a guide and a mentor for young parents starting off, getting their babies off to a great start right from the beginning and just learning the skills. And sometimes it's letting go of limiting beliefs that parents bring into their parenting journey from their own childhoods. So I do a lot of work with parents on healing their childhood so that they can become the parents they want to be for their baby and end the cycles that sometimes we put in families. So it's a very rounded, uh, what you're saying, what your service is very rounded. You know, it's, it's also helped the parents' parents and it also helps the parents deal with their own childhood. Well, Reparent that's, pretty, sometimes. that's pretty amazing. So do you deal with, um, you, you say you deal with all ages, you know, so we're going to talk because it's baby, we're going to talk mostly about babies. So when do parents need to start engaging? Is it before conception or not during? Well, that would be amazing. Not during you know, conception, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> It would be amazing if parents really took time to say, am I ready to be a parent? You know, is this the right time for me? That doesn't always happen. Sometimes the universe just decides for you, you're going to get pregnant and have a baby. But if you can decide, I'm going to learn and really look back at my own childhood and what are my triggers? Because I find with parent coaching, uh, parents being self-regulated when their child is having a dysregulation. And let's face it, babies cry a lot. 
And if I can stay as their mom or their dad, calm and grounded and centered and just allow babies to feel what they feel and learn from your baby. You know, if you really listen, different baby cries have different meanings. They have a language if they're hungry or they need to be a diaper change or they need to be held. So we can learn as parents from our children. But if we're dysregulated by their big emotions, then we're not in a place to really be their parent. We've become a child in that moment. And what they really need is an adult. Okay, so I'm a new parent. Well, I'm obviously not. I'm a grandma. Uh, I'm yeah. a new parent. Uh, I'm coming to you. And as young people, most people, not even young people anymore, their first step is probably Google, Facebook, uh, even mm -hmm. YouTube, uh, you know, for their information, you know, uh, purpose purpose parenting I'm straight to YouTube you know that's what the young person does and they kind of can they can get overloaded with the uh, information which is another problem you know in itself right so how does I, I think how, it, do you think the one-on-one -on -one is still the best way oh of I do I think because when I work with parents I don't have like a curriculum or an agenda I meet them right where they are you know where are you feeling challenged? And a lot of it is teaching, just teaching skills like breathing, you know, breathing exercises. And I use aromatherapy and just learning to stay calm and attuned. What does attunement even mean? I find that a lot of parents don't know what that means to attune to their baby. So a lot of it is teaching skills. See life from your child's point of view. What are they feeling in that moment? And even just to respect babies as people. You know, um, I'll just give away a little secret that my password on my computer is Kids are people too. And I think that sometimes parents believe that they're somehow uh, more human than their babies, you know, and there's this power. I know people can't see my hands, but there's like this power disbalance of I'm, I'm, I don't even know more human than the baby somehow. So I think uh, understanding that babies have feelings and needs and we're learning from them how to, what they need and that they're equal to us in the family. They have different needs, but everyone in our family is equal. Does that make sense? Um, yes, not a hundred percent. Okay, <laughs> let's go at it. <laughs> um, you're saying that that you know you gotta you could try and be understanding or maybe not put your put yourself in your baby's shoes. That doesn't sound right. Uh, I would. That that is exactly what I teach: is how to see life from your child's point of view. As a baby, you're about to change your baby's diaper. Imagine how that feels to have an adult just come and like take off your diaper and you're like, what is happening? So you've been in this little womb, you know, of gentle protection and now you're out and it takes, you know, the, we're like kangaroos. We take time to just even sensory, like all these new senses. So, you know, autonomy to me from a baby's point of view is putting your hand gently on baby and say, it's time to change your diaper. I'm going to put my hands right here. And so it's not asking the permission because you know you need to do it. I feel like a lot of gentle parents, at least in America, have this way of saying, is it okay if I change your diaper? I and, think that's you know, going a bit too far. Exactly. Uh, you know, that, that's, to me, that's, that's going a bit that's too far. going too much on the, on the other side. Exactly. And I see a lot of that in like the woke kind of baby parents. But on the other hand, I'm an adult. I've made an adult decision. It's time to change your diaper. But that doesn't mean I just go in and do it. You know, there's there's telling your baby and preparing your baby for a physical act that you're going to do. I'm going to put a shirt on now. It's going to go over your head. I'm, you know, eye contact. So there's all these things that we can do to make 
um, the tasks that we have to do with babies feel more gentle, feel more autonomous, feel more cooperative. And we do, we're doing this with our baby. We're not doing it to them and we're not asking them. It's a with. We're doing life with our baby. Okay, so we're, we're, we're walking together, even though yeah. he's not walking yet. But that's the kind of, you know, we're, t- we're trying to get the, give off the impression or the feeling that we're walking along together. I kind of get the, I, what I'm seeing is actually Paddington Bear, you know, uh, holding, yeah. holding on to Paddington's hand and sort of swooping <laughs> them along with them. That, I don't know, that's what came into my head. Yeah. So, but I think a lot of times if, if, if we as children were parented over, you know, and things were just done to us, or if our parents were too like laid back, whatever, we bring that to our parenting journey. And not many parents I find understand parenting with, we are doing this together. This is a collaboration. And even just from a small infant, respecting their autonomy, you are an autonomous being a little baby, and you deserve for me to do this with you, not to you. And not asking you, but we're going to do this together. Um, A story I like to tell about my own son, my older son, when he was five months old, he had just learned to sit up, which is kind of young for a baby to learn to sit up. And, you know, he he fell over quite often. And so he was sitting on a blanket with a bunch of toys in front of him and he couldn't reach one of the toys. He's five months old. It was like out of reach. And he knew enough to know that if he reached, he was going to fall over because he had fallen over a lot of times. And he looked at me with this look of like, mom, will you hand me this toy? You know, and I looked back at him. I remember this vividly. He's 24 years old now, but I remember this moment. And I said to him, you can do it. And I didn't know if he could do it or not, honestly. You know, I didn't know. And I thought how I would solve the problem would be to get something longer and pull it toward him, like use a tool. And he looked at me when I said, you can do it. And he said, I can do it. And he turned his attention away from me towards the toy and he pulled the blanket toward him. And he grabbed the toy and the look in his eye, Brian. five months old, when he knew he could do it, that was part of the setting of stage of his whole life of me saying, you can do it, you can do it. And I learned early on when I was learning to be a teacher, never do anything for a child that they can do for themselves. So for babies, there's lots of things they can't do for themselves and we're doing with them. Again, back to we're not doing it to them, we're not asking them, but we're doing it with them and for them because they can't do it. But every little skill that, that your child gains, let them do it. It's easy for parents to say that I need to be needed. But our job as parents, in my opinion, is to be needed a little less every day. And that's very hard for parents, because we love our kids, and we devote ourselves to our kids, and we have this tether to our kids. But if every day we can say, oh, you needed me for that yesterday, but today you don't. You got this. Okay, so that brings me on to another interesting point there. What happens when you're in your second or your third child? Mm. You know, how how do you develop the skills that you're giving us today? How do you develop these skills? And you say maybe this didn't work for number one. Maybe it'll work for number two. Uh I'm talking about babies, nuts, nuts, <laughs> not <other> things. <laughs> yeah, I think, to, you know, I'm a second child, so I know I'm probably a little biased, but I feel like being a second or a third baby is a great gift. Because as you say, parents are often more uptight, they're more focused, they're, you know, nervous, they're doing something for the first time. And let's face it, if you're riding a bike for the first time, you fall off a lot. 
by the time second baby comes along, you know, you're peddling and you, you got a thing. So I do think, I remember taking a class when I was pregnant with my first son and the parents were all nervous and they would ask, do I need to use special soap for my baby? And the answer would be, is it your first baby? Yes, you need to use special soap. Second baby, Tide. We, we have in America. You so, can just use the store brand, the, the cheapest Yeah, store the store brand will do. Enough. I think, you know, it's and second baby say so It just reminds me of a story that just happened the other day. My upstairs neighbor, she's just had her fourth baby about a month ago. And wow. they're, all, they're all under six years old, her kids. Wow. And... She was struggling a bit the other day. I went in to say hi, and because it's the festivals here now in, in Israel, with a lot of holiday time, so it means her other kids are all off school and nursery. So I went and I took the you know the others and I did some some things with them. And I said to her, oh, Emmanuel, that's the name of the new baby. I said, do you want me to take him out for after we'll go to the park? She she kind of looked at me, but 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 but, but I said, you know, it's okay. She said. But what if he cries? I said, you know, it's it's okay if he cries. So yeah. so then I was then all of a sudden she's as though she got some courage. This is the first child, remember? Mm. And she said, Okay, can you take the other two as well to the park? <laughs> <laughs> I said, Okay, cool. So we get to we didn't hardly had left the house. And the park is very close. We went to the park and the phone bing. Uh, is he all right? Is he crying? <laughs> so mm-hmm. I I, met, I take a photograph. He's fast asleep. And right. he's sleeping. And then we, with the kids, we were having a nice time in the park and everything. They said, can we go to the other park? There's another park on like on the other side. I said, yeah, cool. So we're walking along. Of course, going on the ping. You know? <laughs> I said, we're fine. We're fine. I said, why do you go lie down? But it's what, but what I was saying, well, the point I'm trying to make here is obviously everybody was fine and we got back and everybody was fine. And she said, how was it? And how was he? I said, definitely not taking him again. That's it. I said, I'm not taking anybody. And and she goes, no, I'm, I said, no, I'm just kidding. And, but the, what I'm trying to say is this the fourth child and mm-hmm. it seems like maybe even more intense than Interesting. That's maybe because it's the last, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure, but I do know that um, when we're becoming parents, there is no roadmap in our life for the kind of love that we're going to have for that baby. It's different than our friends, than our parents, our siblings, even our spouse. That the love that you, a parent feels for a child is, in, to me, a whole different category. So we have no roadmap for what to do with those feelings. And I think your your story illustrates that that mom is tethered to that baby. And, and worries about the baby, which we have to do, you know, instinctively, we have to do that to keep them alive. But how do we over the days and weeks and months and years still care for them and love them just as much, but let them make mistakes, let them stretch, let them fall, let them play out their lives. That's autonomy. You know, basically parents' job is to keep your kids alive long enough to like turn their life over to them. Long, long enough for them to... to <laughs> Long enough, Virginia. Long enough that you've saved up enough money for the university. Put it <laughs> well, I'll I'll tell you my my perspective on that. I spent a lot of money on my children when they were young because they couldn't do for themselves. So they got horseback riding and um, violin and you know tutors and whatever they needed. Um, but then by the time they were 14, 15, 16, they were ready to be financially independent because that investment had been made early on. And so I think it's true in America, most people take their baby years and save for college. 
And I did the exact opposite. I invested time and money and energy and resource into my children when they were babies and toddlers and young children so that by the time they were, as I say, 14, 15, 16, their lives had been handed over to them. They had jobs, they made money, they earned their own college education. I didn't pay for it. They learned it. So I think, you know, flipping sometimes the models, like if we want different outcomes, if we look around at our children and as they grow up and we say, "Mm, I don't know, they're, they're living with mommy and they don't seem to be grownups yet. Well, let's do something different when they're babies to try to get a different result when they become adults. And people Um, ask me all the time, do you have any kids? And I say, no, I have men. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Wow. And wow. They are men because I supported their autonomy from babyhood all the way through. This is your life and I am supporting your life, but it's yours. And that messaging is very important from day one. Okay, we're just about to round off. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you for your five main autonomy for baby messages. Oh, I love that. Have you got five for me? Let's see. My first starting point is unconditional love. One number one, one, unconditional love. Unconditional. Know who your child is, and as they age, it changes. So knowing your child at every stage and loving them no matter what. Uh, I think the uh, number two is making sure that your baby knows they matter. I matter. I get to take up space. I have agency in the world. Um, I think modeling autonomy is about, I'll say three, self-care for mom and dad. If If you're always putting baby first and meeting all their needs, not only do they not learn autonomy, but they learn not to take care of themselves. Like love means putting 100% myself agree there. underneath. So 100%. again, it's not over, it's not under, it's right next to. So I'm going to say self-care is part of parenting with. Baby has needs, mom and dad have needs. So what am I on, three? You're on three. Four, if you don't teaching... have any more, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I got more. Teaching skills. I think a lot of the job of a parent is about teaching children. So if you see a behavior that you don't like, instead of punishing that behavior, because that brings shame in, like you're bad because you did something bad, you just have a skill you haven't learned yet. And I guess I'll end there. That Those are my four that I'll end with right there. Okay, um, so tell us where can you, what guys find you if they need you, if they want you, where can we, where can we find you, your social media, your WWs, whatever you got. Yeah. Well, purposeparenting.net is my website, and I would love for you to visit there. Lots of resources and ideas and videos. My thing I'm the most excited about is I have a podcast where I talk to dads. It's called Dad Like a Seahorse, and it's on all the podcast um, platforms. And I just sit down and have a conversation with dads about their journey as fathers. And I think there's not enough voice for men in this world who are parenting. They don't get asked about that very much. And so there's a quality of their voice that they never get to share unless they're talking about their children. And then I'm on Instagram and Facebook as Purpose Parenting. So look for me there. I'd love to engage with you. I'd love to learn about your babies and talk about parenting with and baby autonomy. Wow. Well, thank you ever so much, Elizabeth. It's been a joy. It's been an absolute pleasure. And we hope you'll come and visit us again very soon. This was Baby Hour. This is Carolyn M. signing out for today and hope to see you all again very, very soon. Thanks for joining us and keep tuned to Baby Hour. Thanks again. Bye for now. This is Baby Hour. 
Radio for Parenting.